Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. At some point, I will get to Derrick Rose and his Hall of Fame worthiness, a subject I've promised to tackle for several episodes now. I'm just not going to get to it now because, well... I'm just not all that inspired to talk about the Hall of Fame again. Blame the humdrumness of the class that just went in, I guess. I am genuinely happy for Chris Webber, Chris Bosch, Paul Pierce, Tony Kukoc, and the rest of the inductees. It's a gift of immortality to have your career acknowledged in that way. I just feel as if, as slow as the news cycle may be right now, there are some more worthy topics to hit as we close in on the start of training camp for the 2021-22 season. As regular listeners know, I generally hit one topic per episode in order to give it a comprehensive examination. But for this episode, I'm going to hit two. Dennis Schroeder and why his turn as a butt of everyone's jokes may be short-lived, and Zion Williamson and why every eye should be on him every minute of this season. And it's not because he's capable of doing something jaw-dropping at any given moment, although that is a decent reason in itself. There's a bigger one. But first, to Dennis, the menace to his own personal wealth. As everybody in the basketball world knows by now, Schroeder and his agent outsmarted themselves by declining the Lakers' offer of a four-year, $84 million extension last season in order to test free agency and presumably land a bigger deal. I'm sure that was part of the reason Schroeder turned down the Lakers' offer, 
But another reason I suspect is because he knew the contract extension wasn't because the Lakers had him in their long-term plans, but rather so that they could retain him as an asset to deal if their season went as their season ultimately went, ending with a disappointing first-round exit. All the Lakers fans who are convinced their squad would have won a title if they had just been able to stay healthy, well, the Lakers obviously don't agree. If they did, they would have brought the squad back and taken another run at it, what with having a full offseason rather than a truncated one like last summer. They knew, instead, that having a team that struggled to score as much as last year's Lakers did, reflected by being 24th in offensive efficiency, wasn't built to win a title. If you look at how teams are ranked when it comes to being championship-worthy, if they're not in the top 10 minimum in both categories and basically an average that puts them in the top five between offense and defense, the odds are astronomical for teams to win. That's why I didn't like the Nets and I didn't like the Lakers. I'm sure at the start of the season, the Lakers didn't expect scoring to be such a problem. They had to figure Markeith Morris, who joined the team late in the previous season, would get back to being a double-digit scorer as he had been had been for most of his career, and that Montrez Harrell would continue his rising trajectory of scoring from 11 to 16 to 18 points off the bench for the Clippers the year before he joined them, not fall off as he did, and that Kyle Kuzma would also take another step up offensively and not flatline as he did. I could go on, but you get the point. All across the board, the Lakers came up short. The trajectory of any number of players simply didn't go in the direction they expected, at least not offensively. And the biggest miscalculation, of course, is that they expected Anthony Davis to grow off of his championship experience and finally become the dominant big man he's long been projected to become. It has to be why they were so comfortable letting Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee go elsewhere. AD, they figured, had finally grown a pair, so the need to have physical bigs to wreak havoc in the paint was no longer necessary. That didn't happen. That the Lakers weren't offering Schroeder that contract to keep him, but to control him, is reflected in the fact that they still could have brought him back if they had really desired. Instead, they went with a total makeover, and it would appear that Dennis at least got that part right. But there are also plenty of reasons that Schroeder doesn't belong in the same category as Nerlens Noel, who turned down a four-year, $70 million offer from the Mavericks back in 2017 and instead signed a one-year, $4.1 million deal so he could test free agency. An injury-plagued season killed his market value, forcing him to sign a two-year deal for less than $4 million total with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, he's still playing and had a solid year with the New York Knicks last season. But I'm not sure he'll ever recover what he lost, even though he's only 26 years old. It's the same reason the Nets continue to load up on shooters and the Lakers did their makeover. The game has become so much more offensive-oriented 
even in the four short years since the Mavs made that generous offer to Noel. If you don't have a jump shot, even as a big, you better be an extraordinary finisher at the rim like Clint Capella, or you're going to be on the fixed price menu. Nerlens does not have a jump shot, and he's a decent finisher, but not in the class of Capella. Nerlens also has $27 million in career earnings. That's a lot for the average American, but Schroeder is not hurting making only $5.9 million with the Celtics this season. He already had $70 million earned. He also potentially could be in a better place next summer. First of all, he has a chance to make a big difference for the Celtics, who desperately needed someone to pair with Marcus Smart defensively on the perimeter. Second, look at next summer's free agent class. It's rather sparse, particularly at point guard. Those that are going to be available either have seen their best days, like Goran Dragic, Ricky Rubio, Patrick Beverly, or they're far less proven than Schroeder, as in Jalen Brunson or Facundo Campazzo. Overall, the only noteworthy bonafide star who could be on the market is shooting guard Bradley Beal. Yes, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Zach Levine technically could be free agents, but I don't expect any of them to actually hit the market or consider going anywhere. As of right now, I don't know of a team that sees Dennis Schroeder as the answer to their problems, but that's right now. It's evident by the lack of interest shown him this summer. But the position he plays and the opportunity he has in Boston could change all of that a year from now. The four-year $92 million extension Aaron Gordon just signed with the Nuggets is proof. Gordon did not do anything extraordinary after being dealt to Denver by the Magic. Overall, I'd say he was a bit of a disappointment. But with expectations remaining high thanks to the presence of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, the Nuggets felt the need to keep him in the fold beyond next season. Maybe because they've looked at the free agent market next summer as well. If Dennis Schroeder has a great season with the Celtics and the Celtics go well beyond their 500 record last year, then there's going to be every reason in the world for them to try to keep him in the fold, as Denver did with Aaron. My point simply being, that bag that Dennis fumbled, he may have just dropped it, not lost it. On to Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans. I can't believe how little has been said or written about the inconsequential summer the Pelicans had in in overhauling a team that finished 11th in the Western Conference and 10 games under 500, despite having a nucleus of Brandon Ingram and Zion. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm not in the camp that believes Zion is already an all-world talent. Let's be clear. 
I believe their record and their showing last season is, in part, a reflection that for all of his amazing ability to attack the rim, his game has major holes in it. He's a subpar defender. He's a subpar rebounder. And he has no offensive game beyond five feet. But none of that matters as far as what the Pelicans did and didn't do this offseason. Zion and the people around him do see him as an all-world talent already. They don't believe the failings of the team have anything to do with him. Rumblings are that they are dissatisfied with what the Pelicans have put around him his first two years in the league and are already thinking New Orleans is not suited for a star of his caliber. I believe in rumblings. They are usually the forerunners to explosions or earthquakes, literal or figurative. Zion himself has said and done all the right things to this point, but his frustration at times last season was evident. And what did the Pelicans do? They lost Lonzo Ball in free agency. They went after Kyle Lowry and didn't get him. They moved Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe in a three-team deal that landed Jonas Valanciunas and Devontae Graham. The deal had more pieces than that involved in it, but essentially, that's what it produced. They added Tomas Sadoransky. And they hired a first-time head coach, Jamal Mosley. Their projected starting lineup this season is Graham, Nick Alexander-Walker, Ingram, Zion, and Valanciunas with Sadoransky presumably as their sixth man. Last year's starting five was Lonzo, Bledsoe, Ingram, Zion, and Adams. Does that shift move you? Do you think it moves Zion or his people? It didn't move the odds makers, at least not much. They have the Pelicans over underline for wins next season at 39.5, which would put them 10th best in the West and only four wins better than last year if you apply last year's winning percentage to an 82 instead of 72 game season. And the only reason I can see why they'd forecast even that slight uptick is Zion and his anticipated continued improvement. It doesn't help that yet another hurricane decimated the area just last month either. How much enthusiasm is a 10th place team going to generate for a fan base that is worried about having water and electricity. I'm already imagining Christmas Day. 19 of the Pelicans' first 34 games are on the road, which does not bode well that they will have a winning record at that point. Zion will be surrounded by his family and friends. The Pelicans will be between road games in Orlando on the 23rd and in Oklahoma City on the 26th. He will be surrounded by family and friends who are supposedly dissatisfied with the team. Zion will not be playing because, in spite of his tremendous box office appeal and star power, the NBA did not see fit to feature the Pelicans. Just imagine what kind of conversation that's going to spark around the dinner table. And Zion will be at home watching the league's other young stars, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, all of them performing on the league's biggest regular season stage. All eyes are going to be on this New Orleans team all season long. It's just going to be for the wrong reasons. 
It's going to be for signs that Zion is not happy. That's a lot of pressure. Chances are he won't be. Chances are he will show it. And that is going to inspire all kinds of chatter about him looking to go elsewhere. Understandably. What I guess I don't understand is why it isn't a point of conversation already. It should have been once free agency was wrapped up last summer and the Pelicans look to come into this season as the Pelicans are looking to come into this season. Maybe it's courtesy. The good people of New Orleans are already dealing with enough heartache. Or maybe in the big picture, worrying about Zion's frame of mind simply pales in comparison to the other challenges we're all facing right now. For me, it's a matter of seeing a storm coming and preparing for it. In other words, it's only a matter of time that Zion and the Pelicans become a topic of conversation this season. The topic being what they could possibly get for him and who has the best odds of landing him. And we might as well start chewing on that now because I don't see any way that storm doesn't make landfall. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I plan on keeping Derek Rose on a back burner for at least another episode or so because there are still other topics that I'd like to hit. I'm just not sure which one I'm going to get to next. It could be Kyrie Irving and his cryptic mask comment, or it could be all of the Instagram posts we're seeing of Russell Westbrook and LeBron James working out together and what we should take for that, take from that rather, and what it means. Or I could get into something completely different depending on what the next 24 hours bring. We shall see. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>